You're listening to Washington Cities, a podcast series by Dalbag Advisors. Join hosts Shruti Goyal and Nirad Bhatnagar as they bring together academia, technology experts, financiers, implementation partners and policymakers. They discuss problems and solutions to enhance resilience in the wash sector. They talk business models, finance, urban planning, employment with a special focus on cities and much more. Welcome to this episode of Wash in Cities. We have with us Dr. Gayatri Vasudevan from LabourNet today to talk to us about employment for Wash in Cities. We discuss her work with sanitation workers, employment, inclusivity and improving working conditions for these workers. Dr. Gayatri co-founded LabourNet in 2006 with a vision to enable livelihoods and enhance quality of life through education, employability and entrepreneurship. LabourNet has impacted about a million lives, empowering youth, men and women to earn a decent living or become profitable micro-entrepreneurs. Between 1999 and 2007, Gayatri worked for the International Labour Organization, a UN agency. Dr. Gayatri Vasudevan was cited as one of the top 50 women in business by Business Today and also received the entrepreneur of the year in social business category award by Forbes India in 2018 welcome gayatri thanks uh, shruti for inviting me into the panel to begin with it would be really helpful to start with your journey tell us how you came about working on topics related to sanitation and the work there for us actually sanitation work happened pretty should i say it was accidentally when covid struck is when we realized the place where people can earn money was in actually sanitization because there was a huge focus on disinfection so the whole issue of keeping every surface clean clean came up and also toilets we said that's a place where are there are jobs that's a way, place where they can earn and that's a place where income can be made so that's the reason we took it on and second thing was that it was also a sector which requires continuous upskilling and reskilling both from a domain perspective as well as from a, a mental fortitude perspective because often time they are going into into areas which are uh, let's say not acceptable so therefore it it was an area of interest and therefore we thought there's an opportunity to drive more organized sanitization to happen and within that gayatri has there been a focus on also working on more informal workers or already formal workers is there like a sort of consumer focus that you are targeting we actually targeted individuals to sign up as sanitization hygiene entrepreneurs we call them so we consciously also coined the term she which is a she and she is a sanitization hygiene entrepreneur the focus for us at that point of time and still continues to be is for those who look at it as uh, supplementary and therefore are able to come in as workforce for a few hours and earn money i think what we would have liked is for it to be integrated for them to be the vendors for several of the public services which is what we were targeting but unfortunately uh, that did not work out so they continue to earn 
and we've set up a system by which they can come for continuous reskilling depending on the task that they're given because the material that they have to use how they have to do etc needs to be taught on a continuous basis so we've modularized that from a simply upskilling and reskilling perspective and uh, looked at providing them inputs on where can they look for market so shruti a slightly long answer and i'm cutting into your question but just last week i was in in assam pretty much at the arunachal border where we have a center in a place called dumduma and i was visiting there and three women who were trained to be which is she's sanitization hygiene entrepreneurs had a very interesting reason why they had picked it up most of the time they are they sort tea leaves but the entire 12 months there's been absolutely no work or very little work and these people are daily wage earners and therefore they picked this up and were able to earn money so this is the group of people that we're interested in men or women who are who are daily wage earners who can actually do this and earn better i actually linked to that uh, gayatri and almost like a fundamental question uh, when people think about water and sanitation in india both in rural india and in urban india most of the dialogue most of the attention is really around the demand side right how many people are using these services how many toilets have been constructed how many now fecal sludge treatment plants exist very little i would say mind space goes into thinking about the supply side of jobs right first of all would you agree with this assessment that there's not enough kind of attention and uh, space given to thinking about uh, the job potential of wash as a space in india and why do you think uh, that is the case I would absolutely agree with you, and I may seem exceedingly focused on Assam largely because I was there all of last week. But it's so fresh in my mind. But it's a classic case where the point you make uh, is playing out on the ground. For example, what pipes are being laid out by Jal Jeevan Mission in Middle Assam? We visited another village where three hundred pipelines were supposed to be established to houses. that means 300 households would get water supply linked to that is that these households would be eligible for toilet construction so water and toilet are two indicators that we are looking at same village there are helpers who are migrating to kerala strangely bangalore up to a point but are not workers of the contractors who have got there's a gap between who's the subcontractor or who's got the contract and who's actually the helpers who are there they coming migrant here where you have the local population which can do the same now let's move to actually maintenance of all of these assets right now these are assets which are being formed toilets at individual homes pipelines at individual homes and the tank both in terms of fresh water as well as stp right there's a community assets which are being created and there are people who are operating it so the waterman role is well established and is creating employment but everywhere else there are gaps and this is in my mind largely because it's in silos so unless we link it up and you can't do skill training in isolation and jobs in isolation the three systems have to come together to your point fresh water water supply to home and to waste water i'm only sticking to water at this point of time but the same principle would apply to to simply clean cleaning the place up right you need somebody to disinfect and clean it's not only because of covid 
you have dengue, you have n number of diseases because of water stagnation. So wash to me needs to be brought into everything which is in the adjacencies. And employment isn't even in the adjacencies. That's the sad part of it. Yeah, that's a fascinating example that you just gave that uh, there was locally available employment, but somehow the marketplace for employment, that matchmaking did not take place. And that led to a lot of uh, other sort of consequences. Uh, but I do want to just probe a little deeper on the reasons for this, right? So one, you're saying uh, all of these different types of roles in WASH exist in silos. That's certainly a very large fraction of the reason. But do you think there's also something else about, let's say, sanitation? Do you think uh, that there's some cultural kind of connotations of sanitation? Because people have some aversion to sanitation. It has never been formalized, right? So that's one part of my question. The second is, if you look at organizations like NSDC, and I'm sure you work a lot with those kinds of organizations, they have tried creating these manuals for sanitation work and job cards and uh, these skills that people need to be trained in. So where is that process failing, if that's failing at all? So it's more the silos issue. So let me take this particular example itself, right? Murabalsari village near Dekya Julia. Let me take this village and explain the point. So the training will happen. Now the training here will happen in a 12-hour module. You would have gone through your module. But unless I'm going to apply, that means there needs to be a backward integration to say I would go in as a helper first. And then I could actually become the subcontractor because these are all subcontractor driven, right? They're, they're contracts, vendor contracts are given. So unless you crack the vendor contract and say it needs to be given, there are affirmative action where so many workers have to be local and those have to be certified, it's not going to work. So here what we're doing is we're pushing supply side to do the numbers. We're pushing supply side to improve the quality in isolation. Unless we are going to say, listen, this village, I, this vendor who has to take these people, the vendor uh, needs to ensure, vendor or subcontractor as the case may be, needs to have so many people here and we link it up. Saying, you give me the set of people that you are employing, I will upskill them. What does a company do in corporate uh, training, right? You, They give you the, the names. It's not the reverse. Here, when we go to that in skilling, we ask the company to give it. Company cannot because they're all subcontract. So the, the layering there becomes problematic. So maybe because this links very clearly to the next question I was going to ask, and maybe if Shruti are okay, I'll just I'll go ahead and ask that and then you can come back to your sort of question. Gayatri, a lot of Indian cities and Indian states, they are currently suffering budget deficits, right? So, so the uh, economics don't add up. Uh, there's a big push move into subcontracting different kinds of services for that city, right? Uh, so including wash services, because there's a huge uh, difference between the pay scales, the government pay scale for a cleaner versus what a subcontractor ultimately ends up paying their, their contracted workers. And this sort of triggers a bunch of issues, one of which is obviously the skilling issue, because you are working with temporary workers, there's a, a mismatch in their skills, their trainings with what's needed. But what else do you think is also happens because of this uh, focus on subcontracting and uh, in terms of safety, in terms of incomes, in terms of social protections. And what do you think should be done to address this? See, there are different ways to address it, right? Today, you have the mechanism. You have the big focus on Aishman Bharat. So if we can bring them under a health insurance, which work and ask, just like you have a formal employment, you have ESI, but at a lesser cost, if we are able to bring in group insurance for 
subcontracted workers i think it will ishram portal there's a big push there are several which are in run in isolation but we don't think of these for sanitation we often think of this for manufacturing i had a very interesting conversation again a few weeks back where somebody told me if employment is there it should be in manufacturing but service sector such as this where you're seeing a crying need we we have a evident problem should be the first sector where i need to marry these things together the subcontractor will pay less than the government there is no doubt but that's market mechanism right market is able to command at a lower price but we can actually distort in favor by looking at the existing schemes coming to these people and therefore ensuring the social security and health insurance these i would say would be paramount are at least protected if not so we could come back to financial security over a long time but at least the immediate can be in my opinion addressed and have you seen any examples of that like a hybrid approach where and doesn't need to be in sanitation have you seen any other kind of contract mechanisms where you actually have uh, workers employed through subcontractor mechanisms in by a city but then there are social protection systems insurance or other kind of incentives or, or other kind of benefits that are then centrally bought by the city at maybe discounted rates or even other sort of state mechanisms have you seen any other sector where this kind of a hybrid approach works really nicely in theory yes in practice it hasn't worked is the construction welfare board the bocw which is there has exactly that problem in theory there's a cess collected from the builder the every state has a building and other workers construction welfare board there and the board is supposed to register workers and provide schemes and there are about 13 schemes so in theory it works perfectly but in practice there are several issues around that but i think that's a good start yeah and shruti i saw you also uh, yeah i have worked in construction sector do you want to add to this yeah yeah you know it's interesting what as you saying so when covid started the finance minister she announced 40000 crores worth of bocw funds it could be used as relief for construction workers like pay 2000 baht 4000 rupees right and at that time Uh, we formed together a small consortium of indian developers lodha mahendra goldrage and what we realized is only 2% 2 to 5% of the construction workers were even registered with the bocw welfare and the large registration problem is because of this subcontracting model the subcontractors are not incentivized to register workers if they register them they'll have to pay and be responsible for all the other obligations that come with labor laws just a catch 22 we are in and this is a large industry right and and there's so many other such related industries that we are discussing so, so i think we have the policy but we don't have it implementable yet thanks for adding that detail shruti i think that's really really important to focus on i was just speaking with uh, somebody and i don't know if you caught this guy three but hug darshak right now is working on this sanitation worker id card and i, I think these efforts in these uh, different uh, domains uh, will probably go a long way because then at least you got the entry point on which you can layer on different kinds of schemes thanks exactly what i was just wanting to deep dive more and understand the various labor net programs you spoke about the she which sounded really interesting could you maybe throw light on any other programs that are very topical to the sanitation workers and waste workers uh, so we look at plumbers as very important because if water is not there then everything falls through 
So we are actively looking at bringing in plumbers as a as an intrinsic, let's say, job role in the wash sector. And in that context, one of the things we want to do is to look at which companies actually are selling pipes. For example, there there could be uh, several brands, not only the large brands that we know, such as Astral, but Syntax. So there'll be a whole set of Kirloskar, et cetera. We want to go here and see what is required for installation and maintenance, because that's where the key is, right? If you're able to bring in water and take out waste, it's all through piping systems. So plumber is a very important role. Second, we think a very important role is electricity, electrician. So electrician normally is a rural, uh, what we call a 2BHK electrician, which is a uh, which is a domestic electrician, but there may be more which is required here. So that's another focus for us. And that's where I said the adjacencies between electrician, plumber, and sanitization is very huge. The link is almost evident. And then, of course, is the whole issue of who operates the uh, waste plants, which is an issue. And then it's dry waste and wet waste, which is not an area we've worked on. But we've worked in a, in a collective good kind of a model with several organizations, such as WaterAid, Save the Children, in a project called Samuhika Shakti, which brings in about five to six organizations, all working with different target groups. And the main organization, Hasiru Dala, brings in waste pickers and looking to see what do you do for alternate livelihood. But in my mind, it's more than alternate. Within the sector, what can you do to improve? Because jobs are there. It's not like work is not there. Maybe jobs are not there, but work is there. So work is there. How do we uh, translate it into, into revenue earning, I think, is something we need to look at. I love that phrase uh, that you uh, shared, Gayatri, that work is there, but uh, jobs are not there. And hence, the structuring of this work is going to be really important. So, so. And actually, that leads very nicely to my next question, right? So when it comes to creating and increasing employment, and improving working conditions for, and let's focus on maybe sanitation workers in cities, right? What do you see the role of technology, finance, behavior change, citizen engagement? Would love to double click on those topics. So technology is going to be very important. If you look at also several companies have raised significant funds to be in waste management itself. I mean, one I was, I've been tracking and was recently on a panel with was converting flowers to essence, which is temple waste. Temple waste is something we all see, right? But it is basically flowers clogging the pipelines and therefore really causing odor, decay, and of course, dysfunctional environment. And Temple is a sacred place. So this is a very interesting company, which actually does this flower to essence. Similarly, there is a lot of work in the, lot of, let me say, individual work, which is related to these. But now when you look at it from an employment perspective and citizen engagement, I think we fall flat. So technology is, there are models which have been demonstrated, but the moment we come to employment, then we, we the question comes back to who pays. If city does not have the funds, which Neerad started with, then uh, the question is, uh, how do we ensure that payment happens, right? Uh, which is where I think it all fails because payments are delayed, payments don't come, somebody does not do it, aspirationally it goes down. 
it's not necessary to be in a full time job according to me these are jobs which can be supplementary people can come in for a few hours and do it and go like domestic workers are there of course there are a lot of issues around social security of domestic workers but they are established set of people who who come work and go back and it could be create mechanisms where payment is guaranteed i think the financial closure of it is important sometimes i think to myself possibly the whole social impact bonds need to be rethought today social impact bonds are always thought of in terms of finance terms the interest rates that are there are not amenable to these yeah and just to close that i think that point you're making on supplementary income that's super super important when we did our first phase of the sanitation worker study we found that actually there are different personas of sanitation workers and many of them actually just do one or two uh, small bits of work within the sanitation value chain they they do a lot of other stuff and this is really to fill in the gaps in terms of income or, or time that they have so solving for that is really important and how it shows up in kind of um, uh, any of these assistance programs any of these marketplaces uh, so that's really important uh, gayatri uh, coming back to uh, i think labornet does a lot of work on uh, the informal sector uh, and i have seen that you've actually done a lot of work. you're thinking quite actively there's some stuff uh, that you're publishing uh, around how let's say things like vocational training need to look different for the rural sector which is very different from the from the urban sector also i think there's some stuff i saw on your twitter uh, page talking about smes right and the role of smes in creating uh, employment so my question to you is this if one looks at sanitation work or even water work typically one tends to think in one of the two extremes right one is lots and lots of people employed directly by the government or by large subcontractors or this individual lady typically a lady who's going house to house right and often times uh, the discussion doesn't really focus on the role that smes play in creating employment it's only recently that discussion is taking getting some momentum and also in at least the employment space the rural discussion for wash does not happen as much as the urban discussion right uh, so so my question to you is i mean just your thoughts actually on how one should think about employment in wash in rural india and also what role do smes play both in urban and rural and, or rather what role they could play so the way i look at it is rural is still uncorrupted and it isn't as polluted as the urban and it's replicating amenities to homes so in that case this is a beautiful opportunity to create local livelihood and that's of great interest to me right uh, saying that let's not reach a stage where there's already an established practice and you have to change it can you learn from what happened given the rapid urbanization that india has i mean it's been phenomenal it's possibly we we i don't know the figures probably we have uh, 30% urbanization at a run rate level right so in that case is there a way in which for rural areas we don't make the same mistakes we bring in the learnings and we uh, replicate see it will never work as you rightly said the single woman battling against everything and ensuring there is sanitation is taking care of is not going to work so in that case the, there is a layer which is needed which is your micro entrepreneur to a small entrepreneur you probably need that that layer is is essential so in that case the way i look at it is that layer needs to be strengthened and that layer needs to be incentivized to work here often time that layer is seen as a as an exploitative layer but what one does not 
uh, often comprehend is that layer is so critical from HR practices to allocation of work to social security in, in a warped manner is what that layer provides. So that layer to build it up, one is the, the whole installation, right? Construction, installation, et cetera. And then it's the repair and maintenance. And that repair and maintenance layer to me is the workers will mirror gig workers because they are supplementary workers. I accept that and then move towards making it a profitable uh, gig. Because unless it's like something they can make money out of and ethically, it'll go wrong. And that's why I feel innovative social impact bonds are needed. Now, on the other uh, side of it in the urban, the way I look at it is it's a fairly straightforward element. We need to implement everything exists and the, the place where it fails is who's your principal buying center. The city being the buying center, the question is who pays? The hope is not addressed, it affects it. Right, right. I fully agree. I think the layer is really important to get organized, uh, scalable kind of supply side services, right? So there are different ways of actually structuring these SMEs, right? So uh, anecdotally, uh, when we spoke to a bunch of people who run these uh, toilet cleaning trucks, right? So companies which contract with the uh, urban uh, municipal body, we found that there is this tendency for the entrepreneur to uh, reap uh, outsized rewards, whereas the people who work in those, that the gains are not equally shared, right? And on the other hand, there are some other organizations, and I'm sure Labor not does a lot of work in that, where the gains are more collectively shared, uh, almost like cooperatives, uh, for want of a better word. Uh, have you seen some examples where you can structure SMEs which actually have joint ownership of the different sanitation workers or water workers who are part of that SME. Have you seen some interesting institutional structures? I haven't, but I think they're also incentivized. The way struck, I know a company, for example, who is hiring for it as drivers because they don't have drivers who want to do it. So they're hiring. Now, this is very interesting, right? Where does the driver make money? Mm. Apart from the waste, it is in the diesel. And the, the reason why I got this information was a company which is working on an IoT technology, which is overlaying it and was able to control the amount of diesel usage, which is there. Now, this is a very interesting one where if, the, if we're able to put together and say, listen, this is the use case that we have, the amount that the company is losing, I will give to the workers directly. So I'm saying it's about us thinking about it, working with a set of players and solving for it. Oftentimes what happens is the commercial interests and the social good are seen as parallel and seen as often not talking to each other. But unless we work out and it has to be in my mind, money for a worker is the end uh, uh, end result, right? Uh, and everybody along the way should not feel I'm losing my income. Suppose he or she loses something and somebody else gains is where there is uh, distortion which happens. If we're able to control that distortion to say you may lose very little, but you gain so much more, then I think it'll work. See, cooperative structures have not worked in civil uh, civic services at all. Construction, it's been tried a number of times, but it's really not worked. So evidently that structuring of an institution is not the right thing for it. 
So it's better to work with existing structures, figure out an incentive in the existing structures. Something in that economy works. So I'm a strong believer that uh, there is no one who is in that value chain who is ethically, morally bad. It is the situation that one is in. And therefore, if we're able to use that group well, I think we should be able to, we should be able to figure a solution around. You know, that's brilliantly put. And I think your example on layering on that incentive uh, to compensate for the diesel, uh, I, I think that's really powerful. So not thinking about these two things as opposing, but thinking of creative combinations and creative structures, which brings me to my next question, both at the micro level and at the macro level, right? So what do you think is the role for cross-sector collaboration when it comes to generating employment for WASH, right? How should we think about collaboration between civil society, businesses, governments, if you're trying to improve WASH employment in India and then make it safer, more remunerative for millions of uh, uh, workers in the WASH value chain? What kind of partnerships should we be seeing so uh, if we're able to bring businesses, who is business, right? Somebody who sells something which needs to be maintained is business to me, right? Somebody who has to service and maintain is business to me. Now, first, let's address the issue of who could be partners here, right? To me, if, uh, definitely plumbing, like pipe, tap, washer, GI pipe, whatever. This entire group is very important. Then comes who maintains these. Evidently, plumbers maintain these and plumbers have to be paid. So if we can get the relationship between that, you could probably create an Asian Paints Home Solution model, which is company down. Then you have government, which has to pay for non-maintenance services, which is the, the SHE kind of roles that we have, right? So these are non-government, which is citizen and a state be it a panchayat, be it a town, be it a city or a ward, it is these two who have to pay. Now, there is a tax deficiency, therefore they don't have the budgets, they can't pay, then these two have to come together. I mean, gated complexes are classic places where they've come together. If gated complexes, they've come together, we need to stretch it a little bit to see what other parts of the city need to come together for it and make it happen. I mean, I, I don't know the... Uh, relevance of this or not, do I know the facts, but possibly it's something one could study. But I've been given to understand in US, taxes change by the locality you live in. We could go to a mechanism like, of course, we could look at it from across this thing, right? Like, for example, I'm in a gated community. I live next to a, a slum area or a low income area. In that case, how do I cross subsidize and make the environment good. Again, here, I tend to go to examples which I see every day. In the area I live next to, in Bangalore City, next to Lal Bagh, which is one of the well-known parks which tourists even visit. Forget the locals. It's considered to be a botanical garden. Right outside that, you have waste trucks parked. On a road which has just been wiped off. Small little autos which are keeping it. Now, to me, this is absolutely, I as a citizen fee, right? Now, the question is, who are the interested parties here and how do we bring, to, bring them together? And it is a city in which you have a number of these entrepreneurs. So I think that's the place we are missing it. We give it as an individual thing. We need to take that as a whole and solve for it. And even take a small one, prove it, and then the pilot will, I guess, replicate. 
That's real. I'll take a tangential example. Again, from my Loda days, you're making me remember so many of those. So we ran this, uh, this program with various uh, residential societies in Lord Parel in Mumbai, where the citizens got together and they said, okay, we're going to solve the traffic problems here. So they said, like what you said, right? The stakeholders were all those residential and commercial offices around. They had an incentive to solve it. They had the capital. They said, okay, fine, we'll donate from our common area maintenance funds. And they employed marshals. What they needed was uh, permissions for them from the police. And when police, I, we went to the police commissioner, the traffic police commissioner, right? And when he saw that, that citizen power and that conviction that we're going to solve this, right? You can't have the main road and lower parade so clogged with traffic. We're going to put traffic marshals, right? It worked for a time, till the time the conviction was there, then it dissolved. But I think the point that you're saying is, right, that this, there has to be some, I feel the answer is citizen-led momentum, because they are the ones who are finally impacted. But yeah, don't know if there are a lot of examples that have managed to sustain the action. No, I think, see, there it came together, but I think the sustainability of it is who drives, who owns. I think that's where it breaks, but it's a beautiful example. I mean, you've shown that it's possible to do it. But here, I think if you bring in business too, and here the business interest could be the people who actually sell the pipe. So if there is a interest in its pipe, it can be liquid, which is whatever sodium hypochloride or whatever it is. We need to pin it down and close the loop. Yeah, yeah. And I think this is really fascinating and it sort of reminds me, oftentimes what ends up happening is what prevents this collective action, the collective action that both you and Shruti have described uh, is we don't know what we, we are able uh, to do and we don't even know what the government would actually say yes to, right? If we just knew that they would say yes to XYZ and things, then, then a lot more of such stuff would happen, such coordinated stuff. So uh, this is just fascinating. So moving uh, to at least my last question for you, Gayatri, what is one wish that you have? If you could change one thing in the way employment, both in water and sanitation is getting thought about, getting planned, getting resourced in India, uh, both by government, uh, by civil society, by private sector, what's that one wish for what you'd like to change? I'd like to change the way people think in silos. I think there's a need for a demonstration saying that one can work together. That's very important. So to me, I, I really want to sit with these people and say, let's take a geography, be it a ward or two panchayat area and bring everybody together and solve for it. And let it sustain for a year and then look to see what's needed for replication. And in a country like India, it never works with one. So maybe you want to mirror it with 10 different geographies simultaneously. So you're able to say, hey, you know what? It's not that this state alone worked. It's not that this didn't work. I think social science often suffers from the inability to do a research. We are so scared of failure. Not-for-profits don't have the luxury for failure. Enterprises have to work. State is somewhere in between. You know, it is supposed to work is is struggling to work. This sector particularly needs uh, concerted effort in a large-scale action research, which looks at all the levers of what doesn't work, what works, and replication. And here, we don't even have the luxury of time, right? I think this conversation has been really enlightening. Shruti's examples have been uh, phenomenally interesting to me. Honestly speaking, it, it's, it's given me a lot of loud thinking opportunity. Personally, believe it should be thought of as work, supplementary work, 
and then towards uh, meeting all outcomes and objectives i i really enjoyed the discussion gayatri thanks gayatri that was great thank so, you so much gayatri thank you thank you for inviting me thank you for tuning in to the washington cities podcast to learn more about the guests and our work visit www.washingtoncities.org and don't forget to tune in to the other episodes